It's the book of Job. Job chapter 1. We'll begin at the opening verse. There was a man in the land of Oz whose name was Job. And that man was perfect and upright, and one that feared God and eschewed evil. And there were born unto him seven sons and three daughters. His substance also was seven thousand sheep, three thousand camels, and five hundred yoke of oxen, five hundred she-asses, and a very great household, so that this man was the greatest of all the men of the East. And his sons went and feasted in their houses, every one his day, and sent and called for their three sisters to eat and to drink with them. And it was so, when the days of their feasting were gone about, that Job sent and sanctified them, and rose up early in the morning, and offered burnt offerings, according to the number of them all. For for Job said, It may be that my sons have sinned, and cursed God in their hearts, Thus did Job continually. Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came also among them. And the Lord said unto Satan, Whence comest thou? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, from going to and fro in the earth, and from walking up and down in it. And the Lord said unto Satan, Hast thou considered my servant Job, that there is none like him in the earth, a perfect and an upright man, one that feareth God, and escheweth evil? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, Doth Job fear God for naught? Hast not thou made an hedge about him, and about his house, and about all that he hath on every side? Thou hast blessed the work of his hands, and his substance is increased in the land. But put forth thine hand now, And touch all that he hath, and he will curse thee to thy face. And the Lord said unto Satan, Behold, all that he hath is in thy power. Only upon himself put not forth thine hand. So Satan went forth from the presence of the Lord. Amen. I know the Lord will bless the reading and the preaching of his holy word this day for his namesake. 
It's the book of Job this morning, chapter 1, and we're looking just very simply at the opening words of verse 10. Job chapter 1 and verse number 10, concerning God's servant Job, said concerning him, Hast not thou made a hedge about him and about his house and about all that he hath? on every side. Hast thou not made an hedge about him? Let's pray together that the Lord will write his word upon our hearts this morning. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we acknowledge our great need again of thy help. We thank thee for the word of God. Thy word says that you have exalted and magnified your word above your very name. We thank Thee, Lord, for this precious book. And, O God, our Father, we pray today that this living Word might come to our hearts with clarity and with power. We pray that the Holy Spirit Himself will apply it to our lives. Hide the preacher behind the cross. Glorify the Lord Jesus Christ. Fill this house with Thy presence. Lord, leave us not to ourselves. We acknowledge, O God, our weakness, and we pray, Heavenly Father, that the speaking voice of God and the presence of God might be so real and so evident, and that we might leave this meeting house knowing that we have met with Thyself. Hear and answer prayer, we ask it for Thy glory, giving thanks in the name of Thy Son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. The Word of God this morning has a lot to say about hedges. For example, in Mark's Gospel, chapter 12, the Lord commenced that chapter by telling a parable about a certain man who had a vineyard, and he put a great hedge round about that vineyard. God's servant, Jeremiah, says in Lamentations 3 and verse number 7, concerning the Lord, he hath hedged me about. Ezekiel chapter 13 and verse number 5 speaks about an hedge for the house of Israel. And then in Ezekiel 22, 30, God says, I sought for a man among them to stand in the gap and to make up the hedge before me for the land. Luke chapter 14 and verse number 23 God calls his people to go out into the highways and hedges and to compel men and women to come in that his house might be filled. A hedge speaks about protection. A hedge is there to keep certain things out of somebody's garden or field or dwelling, and it's also there to keep certain things in. A hedge also denotes a boundary. And therefore, a hedge speaks about distinction and separation. And there needs to be in the lives of God's people protection. And there needs to be a distinction between God's people and the world. And there needs as well to be clear separation of the child of God from the world outside our lives. While a hedge is a living organism... A hedge must be tended to, and a hedge must be maintained, because it is easy 
for a hedge to become contaminated with various parasites and pests, the hedge can very quickly be destroyed. The little prophecy of Nahum chapter 3 and verse number 17 says, Thy crowned are as the locusts, and thy captains as the great grasshoppers which camp in the hedges uh, in the cool day. And a, a, a swarm of locusts and grasshoppers, parasites, could very easily contaminate and eventually destroy the hedge. A hedge can be contaminated. A hedge as well can be corrupted. A disease can quickly destroy a hedge from the ground up, and the hedge can easily be contaminated, and therefore the hedge fails. Hedges can be contaminated. Hedges can be corrupted. Hedges as well can be compromised. Psalm 80 in verse number 12 speaks about the hedge being broken down. It says there, Why hast thou then broken down her hedges? And if a hedge is compromised and broken down, it is very easy for predators and for thieves to get in. Hedges can be filled with gaps as well and holes in the hedges also. Hedges also can be choked. Ivy and other such-like plants can very easily grow up and choke the hedge and strangle it so that the hedge withers and ultimately dies. And according to the book of Isaiah, chapter 5 and verse 5, the hedge can be removed completely. And in Job chapter 1, verse number 10, we read about the Lord having a hedge round about Job, round about his home and round about his family and round about all the things that Job possesses. And it's interesting to consider that Job 1 and verse number 10 were words spoken by Satan, Lucifer, the devil himself, before the very presence of Almighty God. Hast thou not made a hedge about him and also about his house? Satan has come into the immediate presence of the Lord to accuse God's servant Job. One of the devil's titles is the accuser of the brethren. And that's what we have in the opening chapter of this great book of Job. Satan accusing Job before the very throne of God. Job's character is seen very clearly in the opening verses of the book of Job. It says in the very first verse that Job was perfect and upright, one that feared God and eschewed evil. Job as well, in verse number 5, is seen to be a man of prayer, a man who rises up early in the morning with burnt offerings and sacrifices and comes into the presence of God by such and, and prays for his family, prays for his sons especially, in case they have sinned against the Lord. Job's prosperity is seen in verses 2 through to verse number 4. He had seven sons and three daughters, 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, 500 she-asses, a very great household. And the Bible says that this man was the greatest of all the men 
of the east. And then Satan comes into the presence of God and begins to accuse Job. Now, if you didn't have anything outside of Job chapter 1 to teach us about the devil, you would certainly learn even from these verses that we have read this morning that Satan is real, Satan's reality. He is a real personal being. Satan today is real. We see his reality in Job chapter 1. Also in Job chapter 1, you see his hostility. He is against the child of God. He's against the believer. He's against the Christian. He's against God's people. Especially whenever God's people are praying as Job was praying and living as Job was living and being a force for good, Satan is real. His reality, his hostility. You see as well in Job chapter 1, Satan's activity. Satan certainly is very, very busy. It says in verse number 7 that he goes to and fro in the earth and he walks up and down in it. Satan is not omnipresent. Only the Lord is omnipresent. But Satan is active and Satan travels, as it says in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse number 8, he walketh about and goeth about as a roaring lion, his activity. He doesn't sit about idle for too long. We see as well in Job chapter 1, Satan's ability. He has got the ability under God, as long as he's allowed, to afflict certain people. And he's active in this world, and he's got great power and great ability. He's not omnipresent, neither is Satan omnipotent. He's not all-powerful, but he has might and he has strength. And we see as well in Job chapter 1, Satan's capacity. And by that we mean his intelligence. Satan is not all-knowing. He's not omniscient, but he certainly has intelligence. And he knows certain things about Job. And it's almost certain today that the devil knows certain things about us about you and I. He doesn't know everything, but he certainly knows some things. So in Job chapter 1, you see Satan's reality, Satan's hostility, Satan's activity, Satan's ability, and Satan's capacity. And he knows, according to verse number 10, that God Almighty has put a hedge around about Job and around about Job's family, and around about Job's business, and around about Job's belongings. And Satan wants in through that hedge. And he challenges God Almighty and accuses Job before him. You have put a hedge around about his house, and you have blessed him. And Satan wants to get inside that hedge and afflict and torment Job. And it's almost certain today that if you're walking with God, and following the Lord, and doing a work for God, and being a blessing to God's people, and being a challenge to the world around about you, and you're in praying ground that the devil wants to get in on you as well. And therefore, it is very important for us to pray to God, and to seek God, and under God see to it that in our lives we have well-maintained hedges. 
And that's simply our title for this message this morning, Well-Maintained Hedges. Very simple message this morning. First of all, it is important for us to have a well-maintained hedge around our hearts. A well-maintained hedge around the heart. I believe today that one of the devil's focal points of attack in the life of a Christian is not just the mind of a Christian, but also the heart of a Christian. The devil wants to get into our minds, yes, and put seed thoughts in our minds. But the devil also wants to get into the heart and attack the heart of a Christian. We read in Luke's Gospel 22 and verse number 3 that Satan entered into Judas Iscariot. That is to say, he entered into his heart. And in the Bible, the Word of God, the heart, represents the seat of the affections, the seat of the emotions, and the seat of our desires. And there's no doubt today that the devil wants to get into our hearts. The Bible says in the Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew 6, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Proverbs 4 and 25 says, Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Proverbs 23, 7 says that as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. And if the devil can get into your heart, Today, he can do so much damage, and that's why it's important in our lives to have a well-maintained hedge around about our hearts. Because I believe today that the devil wants to desecrate the desires of our hearts. He wants to desecrate the desires of our hearts. You might be in the meeting this morning, and presently you've got a heart for God, and you've got desires after God, and your heart's desire is to walk with God and serve God and be of use to God like Job was, to pray for others, to pray for your family, and to walk with God in this crooked and perverse generation. But Satan wants to desecrate the very desires of the heart. Even in the life of our Lord Jesus Christ, he sought to do this. In Matthew's Gospel, chapter 4, before the Son of God commenced His earthly ministry and began to preach, it says in Matthew 4 and verse number 1, Jesus was led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And in verse number 3, after the Lord had been fasting and praying for 40 days and for 40 nights, and was tired and weary and hungry, the tempter came to him and said, If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones might be made bread. And this is the Lord Jesus Christ himself. And he's being tempted of the devil. Command that these stones may be made bread. And what the devil there was seeking to do was to corrupt and desecrate the natural desires of the human heart. Jesus Christ was hungry. He was tired, and he was weary. 
And Satan came in and says, Command that these stones be made bread. And he was wanting to really desecrate his heart's desires and corrupt his natural desires and compromise his natural desires. And that is exactly what Satan did in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve. Whenever they saw the, the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, it was a tree to be desired to make one wise. And he wanted Adam and Eve to disobey the Lord. I wonder today, has your hedge been compromised in some way? And the enemy has come in and he's knocking in your heart's door and he's wanting to desecrate the desires of your heart. I wonder today, is your heart's desire towards God? Or is your heart's desire towards self and sin in this present evil world. Not only does the devil want to desecrate the desires of the heart, but he also wants to disable the discipline of the heart. A Christian is a disciple, and the word disciple simply denotes discipline. Christians should be disciplined people. But oftentimes the devil wants to get into our hearts and rob us of that discipline and disable, or certainly dilute that discipline. And you see that again in Mark's, Matthew's Gospel, chapter 4 and verse number 6. Satan has brought the Savior up to the pinnacle of the temple and says unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down. And how often does the, the devil say the same to us? Cast yourself down. If you're really a believer and if you're really walking with God, He will give His angels charge over you and, and they will protect you. Cast yourself down. Tempt the Lord. Just try it and see. And maybe that's what the devil has been saying to you. Cast yourself down. Lower your standards a little bit. Forsake the Word of God. Cast it off to one side. And don't be so rigid and don't be so tight. Don't have such a high standard. Cast yourself down. Let yourself go. Let your hair down. Live whatever way you please. Compromise your testimony. Let your discipline slacken a little bit. Cast yourself down. Be careless. Be presumptuous. Sure, God will look after you and you can live whatever way you please. And maybe the devil today has been trying to disable your discipline. Discipline is something that seems to be almost a thing of the past in many respects. But a Christian needs to be disciplined in this world. If we're going to live a life of discipleship, it denotes discipline. And maybe the hedge of discipline has been compromised in your life. And then furthermore, the devil wants to uh, get into the heart to diminish the devotion of the heart. He wants to rob us of that devotion. Do you remember whenever the Lord said to Peter, Satan hath desired to have thee, that he might sift thee as wheat? And he wants to take away our devotion. Again, in Matthew chapter 4 and verse number 9, the, the devil took the Lord up to a, an exceeding high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and the, the glory of them and said unto him, All these things will I give thee if thou wilt fall down and worship me. 
Away with this obedience to your Father and this love to your Father and this devotion to your Father. If you will fall down and worship me, I will give you the world. No need to go to the cross. I'll give you the world right now if you will fall down and worship me. We are called to love the Lord our God with all of our hearts, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, and with all of our strength. But Satan wants to diminish the devotion of our hearts. He wants to divide and diminish our allegiance. Wants to divide our hearts like the children of Israel in the days of Elijah. Elijah had to ask them, How long halt ye between two opinions? If the Lord is God, serve him. But if Baal, then serve him. And they had diminished the devotion of the heart. The hedge had been broken down. And furthermore, Satan wants to deviate the direction of the heart. Remember it says concerning Peter in Luke chapter 22 and verse number 54 that Peter began to follow the Lord afar off. The direction of his heart was being deviated. And like Delilah said to Samson, How canst thou say, I love thee, when, my heart, when thine heart is not with me? I wonder, is that the Lord's voice to some of our hearts today? How can you say, I love thee, when thine heart is not with me? A.W. Tozer said, The heart of man is like a musical instrument, and it can be played upon by the Holy Spirit, it can be played upon by an evil spirit, and it can be played upon by the spirit of man himself. The heart is like an instrument. I wonder today, what really gets the strings of your heart? Is it self? Is it Satan? Or is it the Savior himself? Is it any wonder that Francis Ridley Hovergill wrote in her great hymn, Take my heart, it is thine own, it shall be thy royal throne. Take myself, and I will be ever only Lord for thee. I wonder today, is there a healthy, well-maintained hedge around about your heart today? Does Jesus Christ have your heart? We need hedges around our hearts. And then secondly, we need hedges around about our homes. Is it not true to say that the home and the Christian family has become a focal point for the attack of Satan in these days in which we're living. And it is so, so easy for the devil to get into a home and into a family. And if that happens, he can cause so much destruction. Just like a fox, whenever a fox gets into a, a hen cooper, into a field of hens, he can cause so, so much destruction. Last time, last year, round about this time, my mum said, there's, I think there's a fox getting into her garden. And sure enough, in the back garden, there was a hole in the hedge, and there were droppings in the back garden. There was a little path across the garden. And sure enough, the foxes had got in. Get in through the hedge, a hole in the hedge, and soon the foxes can so easily get in. The home is so vital, and the home is so important. And it's a critical thing that believers have well-maintained hedges round about their hearts, but also round about our homes. I believe today the devil wants to attack 
the healthy relationships within the home, husband and wives. The devil wants to get in and cause division between healthy relationships in the home, husbands and wives. We need hedges around about our homes. Husbands are to love their wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. And wives are called to honor and, and reverence their husbands and vice versa. Men and women are equal in the eyes of God, but we have different rules and different responsibilities. And the devil wants to get into the home and attack healthy relationships between husbands and wives and also as well between parents and children. The Bible says the children are to obey their parents in the Lord. And the Word of God also says that fathers are not to provoke their children unto wrath. And the devil will use anything that he can to attack healthy relationships within the home. And especially in this digital age that we're living in, the enemy can so easily come into the family unit and destroy the home. I wonder today in your home, in your marriage, your relationships within the home, are there healthy, well-maintained hedges? Not only does the devil want to attack healthy relationships, but he also wants to attack heavenly ordained leadership within the home. God's plan and God's pattern and God's purposes for the home and the family are constantly under attack. We are living in days of rule reversal and days of responsibility removal. And the role of husband and wife and father and mother and children and parents are so often reversed and turned around. Sometimes children rule the roost. Sometimes parents treat their pets like children and treat their children like pets. Husbands and wives, often the rules are reversed. And we are living in a day of gender confusion. We have masculine women and effeminate men. And in the home, heavenly leadership and healthy relationships are under attack. And something else that's under attack within the home is happy fellowship. The Bible says the joy of the Lord is your strength. I wonder is there joy, Christian joy in your home? Or has the devil somehow got in through a small gap or hole in the hedge and he's robbed you as an individual of joy and he's robbed your home of joy? Many homes are miserable because hedges are not well maintained and there's no joy in their home. John Bowring, who wrote that wonderful hymn, In the Cross of Christ I Glory, towering o'er the wrecks of time, all the light of sacred story gathers round its head sublime, made this statement about the family. He said, A happy family is but an earlier heaven. Wouldn't it be wonderful if our homes and families were like days of heaven and earth? But sadly for some, the, the family is not happy. And relationships in the family are not happy. And fellowship within the family is not happy. 
And rather than a Christian home being like heaven and earth, for some it's maybe like hell and earth. The devil wants to attack our homes, healthy relationships, heavenly ordained leadership, happy fellowship. And another focal point of the devil's attack in the home is homely worship. It's often said that families that pray together stay together. Is your home a home where the Lord Jesus Christ is worshipped together? Does your family pray together? You know, if the family altar has become a thing of the past in many Christian homes, and sadly it has, even the giving thanks at the meal table has become a thing of the past. And the opening of God's Word in homes has become a thing of the past even in Christian homes and Christian families. Sometimes the Word of God is never opened. Sometimes the praise of God is never sung. Sometimes the face of God is never sought. Is there homely worship within your family today? In 2 Samuel chapter 6, we read about a man called Obed-Edom. And through an unusual sequence of events, the Ark of the Covenant, that in part represented the presence and glory of God among the children of Israel, ended up in the home, the house of Obed-Edom. And the Bible says that as long as the Ark of the Covenant was present in the house of Obed-Edom, God blessed the house of Obed-Edom. And the Ark of the Covenant was a place of worship, a place where the presence of God was real, a place where prayer and fellowship with God was real. And this man had it in his very home, and it typified and represented the Lord Jesus Christ. Is Christ present in your home? Is He there at every meal? Is the Lord present in your family? The first thing that Noah did whenever he got out of his ark in Genesis chapter 8 and verse 20 with his wife and his three sons and their wives, the very first thing that he did was he built an altar, a place of worship in this new world for his family. Have you got a well-maintained hedge around about your heart? Have you got a well-maintained hedge around about your home? And then we also need, in closing, a well-maintained hedge around about the house of the Lord. Round about our hearts, round about our homes, and then a well-maintained hedge around about the house of the Lord. The devil wants to get into our hearts. The devil wants to get into our homes. And if the devil can get into our homes, and the devil can get into our hearts, it'll be very easy for the devil to get into the house of the Lord itself. What does the devil want to do in God's house? I believe that the devil wants to damage the work of God's house. He wants to damage the work of the church. He'll do it by any means he can. Sometimes he will do it through diabolical doctrines. 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse number 1 speaks tragically and solemnly about a day in the last days, the latter times, it says, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit speaketh expressly 
The word expressly denotes urgently and clearly and concisely. The Holy Spirit speaks expressly that in the latter time some shall depart from the faith, and we've seen that, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. And in this day and generation, Many professing Christians have no regard or thought for or love for sound doctrine. And often the devil can damage the work of a church through diabolical doctrines, compromising the Word of God and the doctrines that it contains. And if he cannot get in through diabolical doctrines, the devil can damage the work of God through dispensable disunity. Now, sometimes there's a need for separation. But sometimes the disunity that is evident in the church is unnecessary. And sometimes the enemy can come in and can cause division amongst brothers and sisters of like precious faith. Believers who believe the same things doctrinally can become disunited over non-essentials. And it's where there's unity, God commands the blessing. And the devil can damage the work of God through diabolical doctrines, through dispensable disunity, and also through decentralizing the deity. How often the cross is decentralized in many evangelical churches. And the cross is not central in the preaching of God's people. And this cross is not central in the practice of God's people. Help me walk from day to day with its shadow o'er me. I wonder today, have we got a well-maintained hedge around about the house of God? Because the devil wants to damage its work. The devil wants as well to defile its worship. Psalm 96, 9 says, O worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Remember the Lord sat in John 4 at the well at Sychar with that poor woman. And she talked about the well and she talked about her ancestry. And she talked about all of these wonderful things. And the Lord said, they that worship God must worship Him in spirit and in truth. Prayer is worship. And the devil wants to rob the church of its prayer life. Preaching, as well, is worship. And the devil wants to rob the church of its preaching ministry. And also, of course, praise is worship. And the devil wants to rob the believer of their song and wants to defile the worship of the church as he did shortly after the children of Israel had crossed the Red Sea and arrived at Mount Sinai. Moses had gone up into the mountain to commune with God. He was coming down with the two tables of stone. And he found that the children of Israel had made for themselves a golden calf. And they were singing and they were praising and they were dancing around about this golden calf, but their worship had been defined. The hedge had been broken down. The devil wants to get into the house of God and damage its work and defile its worship and ultimately destroy its witness. Acts chapter 1 verse 12 says, 
ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me. But we can never be effectual witnesses for Jesus Christ in this world if we're not living in fellowship and in the fullness of the Spirit of God. And anything that we can do to grieve or quench the Spirit of God in our lives and in our churches is something the devil wants to accomplish. Dear friends, today, is it true to say that by and large the evangelical church in Northern Ireland, in Great Britain, and perhaps even in the West has lost its ability to be an effective witness in this world? The church seems to be suffering from laryngitis. We have lost our voice in this broken world. Few there are who promote the gospel. Few there are who spread the word of God. Few there are who stand up against compromise and error and sin in our society. And then, of course, there needs to be the witness of the life. Holiness of life. Satan, somebody once said, is no longer fighting some churches. Rather, he's joining some churches. How vital it is to have a well-maintained hedge round about the heart, round about the home, and round about the house of the Lord. I wonder today, do you have a hedge at all in your life? If you're not a believer today and you're not a Christian, there's no real hedge around about you. But whenever you trust Jesus Christ as your Savior, you'll be able to say, the eternal God is my refuge. Underneath, round about are the everlasting arms. Maybe today we need to pray, Lord, repair the hedge. The hedge maybe somehow has become contaminated. Maybe the hedge has become corrupted. Maybe the hedge has become compromised. Maybe the hedge has become choked. Let's pray today that the Lord will put a hedge around about us, that we might enjoy the presence of God in our hearts, in our homes, and in this very house. May God bless you, friends, today. Thank you so much for listening.